30-minute reviews, beware of spoilers, and exploring hyperspace lanes are all available ad-free. But if you want to support the show, you can go to bewareofspoilers.com and click the support button that's available on the Spotify website. Thank you. Good morning, and welcome to 30-Minute Reviews. I am Adam. This episode for the week of Monday, January 15th. Uh, this will not be the only episode this week. We will have another episode later in the week where we talk about the Oscar nominations when they come out, because they come out the 17th, so we'll probably be doing that the evening of Wednesday night, but we will see. Now, as we talked about last year, we will be unveiling a new format for this show um, that'll keep us a little bit more on track with the entertainment news side of things and give us something to talk about every week. We will also be doing a movie review, but because this is the first week kind of getting into the swing of how this new format works, we will not be doing that this week. Um, I waited to beginning end, but I didn't have time to watch it. So, we will be talking about that. So, to lead off, our first segment that we will have every week is called our, our Five Things to Know, I think is what I said I was going to call it. Uh, which is where we talk about five big news stories from the last week. Um, and I went out, and I found these on uh, Google, uh, and on comicbook.com usually, uh, or if not comicbook.com, like Variety or Deadline. Um, so story number one for today um, is going to be uh, the, the biggest news story. And if you want a more in-depth look at what this could mean, um, go over to Exploring Hyperspace Lanes, which is another podcast that I do. I did an emergency episode where I talk about this in depth and what the implications could be, and we'll do, we'll do a truncated version of that here. Um, we have another Star Wars movie in development, and that movie is The Mandalorian and Grogu, um, which is uh, directed by Jon Favreau, produced by Dave Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy, as expected. Production is expected to start this year in April, and this is not the Heir to the Empire movie that is being directed by Dave Filoni. And again, I'm calling it the Heir to the Empire movie, but that's not the official title. It's, I call it the Heir to the Empire movie because it's wrapping up the timeline of the Mandalorian era, and um, fundamentally there is the issue of um, announcing this after you had that big release slate announcement last year. I'm not a huge fan of this. It does create the illusion that Lucasfilm is still having the issues that it was played with years ago, uh, where we're just announcing a bunch of projects and seeing what sticks and what happens and what doesn't, and because we can't pull a trigger on anything. Um, so the idea that this is happening after that big announcement, we got the three announcements last year, feels a little weird. I'm not. I'm not super optimistic based on that. That's number one. Number two. Um, Doing a movie that's meant to be kind of season four of The Mandalorian, or possibly the season finale of season four of The Mandalorian, is another thing that feels weird. Um, I don't know why you would do it this way, because it's like people have not responded well to the quote-unquote requ required reading um, that comes from, you know, Disney Plus and, and Marvel. So I don't know how well people are going to respond to this, especially where it's like, okay, so we're going to do... An entire season of TV that culminates in uh, a movie, and then boom, you know, there's the movie. Like, and then on top of that too, it's the question of where does this movie fit in on the release calendar? 
Um, I believe we're going to see delays. I think Fantastic Four is going to get delayed. I think that um, if this movie's shooting in April, if Fantastic Four gets delayed to to Thunderbolt slot, Thunderbolt gets delayed, and then and then we get Blade delayed. I could see this making a May release on a 13-month production cycle, especially for something like this where we already have cast kind of set up because it's just the Mandalorian. We already know who's who's there, and we kind of have the, the production design done and the infrastructure in place to make this. Um, I could see that making a 13-month production cycle. Um, or also they could move... Another possibility is maybe they move... Thunderbolts to November, move Fantastic Four to Moana slot, delay Moana entirely. Um, that's also a possibility. Because um, I think Moana is August. And if that's the case, then that would also give them the the same, you know, the same kind of thing. And if that's the case, that would also, you know, give them a, a good release. And I, I think that that's also a possibility. And, and I think, too, I think saying that Thunderbolts moves to November is optimistic, as is saying that Fantastic Four moves to July. I think, I think, because here's the thing. Right now, we're in January. Um, Captain America has been shot. They're going to do reshoots. Uh, but Captain America is, is it, it has a rough cut. Deadpool's coming out this year, so that's that's off the table entirely. Captain America, we have the rough, the rough cuts done of Captain America at this point. They have to do more reshoots, but that's done. Um... The the next movie after that is Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, we don't even have full casting on yet, and that movie isn't shooting until Q3 of this year, according to most recent reports. If that's the case, where do, like how does that movie make that May release date? I don't think it does. If it's not shooting until July the earliest, I don't think that's making that release date. Then we go to uh, the next movie down the line, which is... Um, the Thunderbolts, the Thunderbolts just lost one of its main characters with Stephen Young leaving as Sentry. So if he's out, that movie needs more, you know, needs more work too. They need to ca- recast him and then redesign, re- refit the costume. And we know little to know about that movie either. So we have that issue as well. Then we get to Blade. I don't even know if the, a director properly attached to Blade or a screenwriter properly attached to Blade at this point. If that's the case, Blade may not make the November date either. And granted, we're, we're, we're a ways out. So, and the other thing is, too, I could see Marvel taking their time because I think that this year, the one movie is a G, is, is a good thing because it's like we had this issue with quote-unquote superhero fatigue. And if that's the case, the easiest way to kind of offset that is to... So my thing is, I think that we're looking at The Mandalorian and Grogu for a 2025 release date because I don't think that this is the movie that's coming out in May of 2026 if it's shooting in April. That is a, a obscenely long production timeline for a Mandalorian movie. Um, and so I think this is coming out somewhere in there. As for what movie does come out in twenty twenty in that May 2026 date, I, I think that May 2026 date ends up with another non-Star Wars thing on it. Um, maybe that's where Moana moves to. Um, because I think that that date doesn't stay Star Wars. I could see them swipping, switching and, and making that one Moana and putting Star Wars on Moana's date in 2025. That That's also a distinct possibility. Um, because I don't see the Ray movie hitting, what's it called, hitting its release date. Um, and if the Ray movie isn't going to hit its release date, then then just move on to the, then, you know, move on from there. Um, but it's, it is a, an interesting kind of situation they find themselves in right now. 
Um, on to our next story, story number two. Um, we have more casting for The Last of Us Part Two. Most notably, we have Caitlin Deaver set to start as Abby, star as Abby, in The Last of Us Part Two. Now, or Last of Us Season Two. Now, we know that The Last of Us Part 2 will be broken up into two seasons, um, and that Part 2 will start in, in Season 2. Um, and we knew Abby was going to take a bit, play a big part in that. Um, God help Caitlin Deaver um, from the consistent and vicious troll-like attack she's going to get. And the same goes for Isabella Merced, who's going to be playing um, Dina, or Dinah, however you pronounce it. I never played The Last of Us Part 2, uh, but is a, uh, a romantic interest of... Um, of what's it called? Of, uh, um, of of Ellie. So 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 God help her too. God help you know Bella Ramsey. Um, it's it's it, people are shitty. Uh, that that's kind of where we are with this. People are shitty, and and it sucks that people are shitty. But these these people are gonna need support. That said, and I know it's gonna sound like I'm 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 I'm, I'm crossing the streams here. I'm not super gung-ho about this casting. I think she looks the part um, of, of Abby. I, 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 don't, I don't see her as like, oh, no, she doesn't look like Abby. Um, and I think that Caitlin Deaver is a great actress. I really enjoyed her performance in um, You Will Not Survive, wherever that movie was on Hulu, where there's, like, no dialogue and she's being chased by the alien. I think she's great there. Um, and she's also great in Booksmart. Um, I think there is a kindness to her face that I don't associate with Abby, and I think that's kind of my only issue. Uh, though makeup and, and, and all of that, you know, might change that. Um, and I think that it could be interesting to see how that comes to life in this, in this new, in this, you know, new season of the show. Um, what was the other big thing? Um, there, there was another big thing about this. I mean, my choice would have been, and I, and I hate being like, well, if it was me, I would have done, uh, I would have cast uh, Katie O'Brien if she was up for it. Um, Katie O'Brien, uh, you may know from The Mandalorian. She is, um, what's her name? The, uh, the, uh, um, Isla Kane, I think is her name. Um, but if that, like, she would have been my choice because I think she, she has the, the physical presence to be able to to play someone as physically imposing as uh as as um what what the fuck's her name I'm as um as Abby I don't think that and, and that's not a knock on Caitlyn Deaver I mean she she could gain up the muscle mass but she when I like when I think of someone like that would be perfect casting um so unfortunately that I mean I, I don't want to say unfortunately that's the wrong word but they went a different way we will see how it plays out. Um, when the movie comes. Uh, our third story um, ties back to our box office for this week. Uh, David Ayer had a new movie come out this week called The Beekeeper. The Beekeeper being a, uh, a Jason Statham action movie that I have not seen yet. And with that being the case, you have this, this you know, he does his press for the movie, as, as you do, as, if you're releasing a new movie. So he's got, he's got on the press tour, and people are asking him about the air cut of the suicide of Suicide Squad, uh, 2016, not Guns Suicide Squad, and the reason for this is there there the movie wasn't good. 
And it's one of those things where you watch, like, at the time we knew there was corporate interference. We knew that Warner Bros. was getting involved in places where they really shouldn't on this movie. Um, so, like, you know, we knew it in, in 2016 when they had, because they had that, the the production company that made the trailer ended up recutting the movie, if I remember correctly. So, regardless, like, that, that kind of happens. And the, the issue becomes... You know, what What do we do about um, this movie now? Now that we've had the Snyder Cut come out, how does it work with, um, what's it called? Uh, with, with Ayer wanting to, you know, validate that it wasn't his fault that the, uh, that Suicide Squad bombed. It, it was, it, it came down to Warner Brothers fucking up. And look, on the one hand, I get it. I totally get it. Um... And, and Ayer should be able to have his cut of the movie come out, and he should be able to have his his, his version of events uh, told. So that way, it, it, it exonerates him in a way. It allows him to, to tell his truth and be the, look, you know, this movie was bad, but it's not bad because of me. It was bad because of other factors that were not in my control. Warner Bros. wanted to go a different way. We had already shot the movie, yada, yada, yada. So, so the question becomes... How far do we go to get this uh, this this cut of this movie released? And and look, Ayer at this point doesn't want to pursue this anymore. Um, Ayer himself has said, "Look, you know, Gunn is doing his own thing over at Warner Brothers. I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to to step on his toes. We will let him do what he wants over there. He's in charge now. I wish him all the best, but I will not be working with that company." Um, and people took this as like, oh, look, he hates Gunn. And, and I think that that's a, a misrepresentation of reality from, from a, a group of cultists who seem obsessed with vindicating what these directors are doing. Look, there have been plenty of movies that have come out that have been shitty because of studio interference. Um, you know, Iron Man 2. I mean, Iron Man 2 is, is not terrible, but it is not as good as it could have been because of studio interference. Uh, Dune from 1984 um, was a movie that was played by studio interference. Um, and I think that they did eventually release a cut of Dune that was what's-his-name's cut. Um, that was Lynch's, like, final cut of the movie. But it doesn't, you know, it, it still is this issue of what does this mean? And, and anytime you see Alan Smithy on a movie, it's because the director wants to distance themselves from the final product. They don't want their name attached to it. Directed by Alan Smithy, that's what that means. And, and and to an extent, I get if he wants to go out there and pursue, like, look, I want to do this. But on the other hand, I also understand why Warner Brothers would not want to do this. If you're gun, why do you want to tether yourself to this? Like, the, the point is, it seems like they're trying to jettison as much as they can from the old DCEU as possible and start fresh. And if that's the case, like, that's why they're getting rid of Sasha Cal. That's why they're getting rid of, you know, everything except for, like, Amanda Waller and Peacemaker. If that's the case, then, like, who cares? Like, why, why would Warner Brothers have any vested interest in investing the money? Because that's the thing, too, is the Snyder Cut was not cheap. The Snyder Cut cost another $70 million on top of the production budget of Justice League. That when it came out. So to put in more money into a movie that's A, not going anywhere, if it's part of this wider universe, and B, just serves to exonerate the director from wrongdoing, number one, it's designed... The, the release of that inherently makes Warner Brothers look bad. 
Number two, the release of that creates the indication that there's a possibility that this universe could be continuing when it doesn't seem like it is, unless Warner Brothers is going to take the extraordinary step of, of licensing the DC universe to Netflix, which I don't think is likely, um, because they don't want brand confusion. They want to be able to have it streamlined. I, I just don't quite understand why people are so like, oh, why aren't they doing this? It's like, well, th there's plenty of reasons why they wouldn't do this. There's more reasons why they shouldn't do it than why they should do it, is what the problem is at the end of the day. Um, so we'll see how, like, I wouldn't get my hopes up out in the air. I mean, look, I was on the record saying I don't think a, a, a Warner Brothers, I don't think that Warner Brothers would ever release a Snyder Cut. And, and, I guess, I guess don't see the, the potential upside for Warner Brothers in doing this. I, and, and, and look, maybe I'm wrong, I just don't see, I, I see this as all downside. Uh, number four, we have another Star Trek movie announced. This came the day after the announcement of The Mandalorian and Grogu. It was announced that Star Trek will be making another movie. Star Trek Four is still in active development, that being a sequel to Beyond. Uh, this is a, a new movie set decades before the other movies in the Kelvin timeline. It's set to be directed by Toby Haynes, who had previously directed episodes of Andor. Now, looking at this, I kind of think this is a movie that may not ever come out, kind of like the the, the movie that Benioff and Rice, Weiss, Benioff and, and Weiss were working on for Star Wars. I'm not saying that it's not going to come out, definitely. I just don't believe... that. I think that if there's a movie that's not going to happen, it's this. So we've heard a lot of Star Trek talk. We heard Qu uh, Quentin Tarantino was in talks to do one. We, it, it, I, don't, I just think there's a distinct possibility this movie doesn't ever see the light of day. Um, and besides, I'm not fully caught up on... On, on the timeline stuff. Like, I'm not fully caught up on the 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 timeline of, of Star Trek. So, I, I like, I, I was fairly certain that Discovery was a prequel to Strange New World, it was a prequel to the original series. And if I remember correctly, the way the timeline works is like the original series happens, then Picard, uh, uh, then Next Generation... Well, I mean, isn't it like the original series happens and then, like, that timeline keeps going, but Spock goes back in time, creates the split Kelvin timeline. So, this would be a prequel to... to what? Because the Kelvin timeline, it's not like the Flash version of timeline, of time travel, in... in when we talk about uh, um, uh, Star Trek, where it's like... Something happening at a fulcrum point doesn't cause the past and the future to both get altered. It just affects the new. It creates a new timeline. It's the multiverse theory, where a, a, a change happening causes a split into two separate realities. One where each thing happens. Um, if that's the case, then I, I don't understand how this is. Is this just a movie version of Discovery? Is this pre-Discovery? Like, because the Kelvin timeline. The only difference in the Kelvin timeline that that causes everything is the death of of Kirk's father on the Kelvin. Like that. That's why it's called the Kelvin timeline. Like I, I'm confused as to how this kind of fits in. Unless this is meant to be like an alternate timeline version of like Discovery. So I don't know where this movie falls in, and I think that is a like as of right now it's an issue. I'm assuming the writers will figure it out before we get to 
you know, before we get to theaters, and, and hopefully it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Star Trek does take the time, tend to take the timeline very seriously. And number five, we have a short list for actresses who are uh, rumored to be associated with Supergirl. Um, this would be uh, three actresses who are allegedly going to have a small cameo in um, Superman Legacy in 2025, and then uh, move on to their own movie with Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. The three actresses are Millie Alcock, who you may know from uh, House of the Dragon, Amelia Jones, who you may know from, uh, what was that, from CODA, and Meg Donnelly, who you may know from the Winchesters, and also voiced Supergirl a few times uh, in the animated stuff. Um, all three are great choices. Um, I think all, any, any of these three would be good as Supergirl. Um, now, I think that... Max intends to keep House of the Dragon going for a while, so I think Millie Alcock is probably not someone that they're going to want to share with DC, especially if you're going to be as big of a player. Um, so I think that this is going to come down to Meg Donnelly, who I don't think is currently featured in anything major, um, and Emila Jones, who um, has similar issue, where I don't think she's got any major projects lined up right now. They don't say they don't have indie projects, or maybe they're doing smaller things at Disney that I'm not aware of. Because I know that what's her name was in it. Meg Donnelly was on a Disney thing, but it 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 could be. I think it should come down to one of them. Because um, I don't think they they want. I don't think they want to deal with the headache of of having to shoot around House of the Dragon. Um, they want to have the autonomy to be able to say we're going to shoot here and and move on from there. Um, but whatever. I mean, we'll see how that plays out. I my personal goes to Meg Donnelly. Um, of the three of them, I think she's the one who, if you're going for this take on, on, on Supergirl, she's the one you're probably going to want to go with for, for this darker take. Um, cause I feel like she could probably do it a little bit better. My only concern with this, my only concern is that we don't have a director for Woman of Tomorrow yet. We have not signed someone to direct that movie. With that being the case, I am not super thrilled about an actress being cast and the director being given the actress. I'm not thrilled about an act like a director being told, okay, so you're gonna build out what this version of this character looks like and, and it's gonna be a new take and, and you're gonna you're gonna have a ton of autonomy and then for them to be saddled with a version of Supergirl that maybe audiences don't like immediately in the in the small capacity that she's in. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe we we see this and it's like, look, she's going to have the, the example of here's how she is in, in Legacy. Let's move on from there. And let's, let's see what works, what doesn't. I think the issue becomes I don't want to see a director come in and be like, well, I would prefer to... Like, you're, you're going to inherently harm your director search because you're saying, well, you're going to come in and do this. But on top of some of the supporting cast already being selected, we're also giving you your lead actress, and this is who you have to deal with. And I think, too, of these three actresses, I think that none of them are big enough, where it's like, it's not like we're giving you Margot Robbie. It's not like we're giving you, like, uh, like Angelina Jolie, or we're giving you, um, like... Uh, like Scarlett Johansson or someone who's huge already and, and we know has range. We have three actresses who have few screen credits. 
that could mean they're moldable. That could mean that this this could be a situation where it's like maybe it doesn't work. But we'll see. Let's see how it plays out, and let's see who they sign as a director for that movie after the casting. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out. Which brings us to the end of the news section, and we go on to the box office report from last week. So this week, we're going to be getting it from thenumbers.com. Uh, according to this, this is based on the three-day weekend, not the four-day weekend, because most people have a four-day weekend. We have Mean Girls coming in at number one with $28 million. We have The Beekeeper, another newcomer, coming in at $16,700,000 at number two. Number three is Wonka, which drops from number one with $8.3 million. Uh, a forty percent drop off with a substantial drop off in screens. Anyone but you drops uh, to uh, picks up a space. Actually, it goes from number five to number four with six point nine million, a small decrease of twenty nine percent. And migration kind of holds reasonably strong, staying at six point one million at thirty eight percent drop off from last week. Uh, Aquaman, which is previous number three, dropped off the list entirely. And Night Swim, the previous number two, dropped off the list entirely. Uh, out of the top five. And nothing here is particularly shocking. I think that rom-coms are a perennial favorite and that'll continue to stay. And Wonka's a great family movie. I think Migration being the only animated movie in theaters right now is definitely keeping it around because it gives someone to, like a reason to bring your kids to the movies. Uh, but I, I, of these, I would say Wonka's the best family movie available. Um, so, so we'll see how that plays out. As for what's coming to theaters next week... We have ISS is the big release this week. ISS with Ariana DeBose, uh, who has an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. She uh, she'll be playing an astronaut on the International Space Station when the uh, when nuclear war breaks out on Earth, uh, and the Americans and the Russians have to fight each other to get the cure for radiation sickness. Um, in a interesting science fiction movie that could be good probably not though because it's coming out in january we'll be talking about that on beware of spoilers later this week um we also have coming to theaters this week freud's last session which is a movie with anthony hopkins playing sigmund freud i believe if i remember correctly and that movie will feature freud and c.s lewis debating religion um which could be interesting. I mean, I'm going to watch it, don't get me wrong, but I mean, it sounds, it, it could be good with powerhouse performances, and we'll see how that plays out in theaters and how those movies come in. I don't see Freud's last session um, taking uh, taking the world by storm. Um, I think that Mean Girls will hold off uh, Freud's last session. I do think that um, we'll end up with a strong number two from ISS, or a strong number three. Uh, I don't know if it... Actually, I think it'll unseat The Beekeeper. I don't think it unseats Mean Girls, though. I think Mean Girls holds steady next week. Um, but that is all we have for today. Now, for the rest of this week in podcasts, on Beware of Spoilers, we'll be talking about, um, like I just said, ISS, and we will also be doing... Um, what was the other one? Uh, Freud's last session. I think we're also going to fit in somewhere in the schedule American Fiction, assuming that's still playing. If not American Fiction, we'll be fitting in... Um, what was the other big movie? The Book of Clarence um, in this week. In terms of streaming, we will be doing a review of Ted on Beware of Spoilers one day this week. I'm not entirely sure what day yet. On uh, the Backlog Files, I will be talking about... Episode 3 was about... Um, the fuck was it? I don't remember. I recorded it a few weeks ago. Um, the Backlog Files, Episode 3. Oh, Pokemon Snap. That's what it was. Uh, we'll be talking about Pokemon Snap, and then we'll be talking about... Um, uh, there was another streaming thing. Oh, uh, that new show with Peter Capaldi. 
on Apple TV Plus. Uh, criminal intent, criminal record, criminal something. Um, but yes, that will be on there too. Um, but that's all we have. And we might have an Exploring Hyperspace Linux. I'll see what Josie has going on this week. But we might have that. Who knows? Um, but we'll wrap up there for today. Our next episode will be next Sunday where we talk about the big news and we might do a movie review too as uh, as as I, you know, as I get back into the swing of things with this. Uh, and we will also have on Wednesday, like I said, the Oscar, uh, the Oscar predictions based on the, um, the nominations that come out early in the day. So until our next episode, have a great rest of your week.